is September 2nd, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Megoche Chestokom Aki or Dekots Nagotene Siku. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to the lands on the Nisitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki Bears Paw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Metis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. While non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. As it is uh, pride here in Calgary, it's really important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on this land by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important that land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement. So we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to say uh, the local Indigenous names, if you won't use your pronouns, you won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around for my community, myself, my family. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, you show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. If you were to read Jesse Wente's book Unreconciled on chapter 13, pages 180 to 181, I feel that explains it per, uh, perfectly. So my Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Pincho Tene Indahe and Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card. It is a colonial construct uh, by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2S LGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder in Canada because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. As a denning woman who's attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies, but still allow incarceration, a denial of justice, denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I can't say I have a great pride knowing my community is dying from the current drug policies and systems of imposed-based drug policies, abstinence programming, private health care, and justice systems built on racism, land theft, and imposed British constructs that continue genocide on Indigenous peoples. There are so many instances that we see every single day in the news of missing or murdered people, and uh, if you're following my podcast, I'm talking a lot about Dawn Dumont Walker and her son Vinnie Jansen that went missing. Uh, they were found and now we have the same lawyer that was defending Jean Gameshi um, now defending her. And I'm hoping that good things will come, but it, it's hard to know. Anyway, I think of them, I hope we honor their lives. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm 
as a citizen and see your role in reconciliation as well. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Uh, Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my name in Satu Dene. I was joking last night at a panel discussion that I, they're actually laughing and ribbing each other and going, can you believe the Southerner, how she said that? <laughs> but that's okay. My humblest apologies to Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation, any mistakes or interpretations of this entire podcast will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey as I walk the red road. I've been accused of not being kind enough while surviving genocide, yet I have given free book clubs, podcasts, and info on my social media for years, as so have many others. At this point, it is willful to be ignorant on these issues, and just a clear example of the anti-Indigenous bias that so many folks actually have. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. And also, if you just hate Patreon account and you can't, can't figure it out, don't hesitate to send me an e-transfer at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Also, giving a review helps on whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin uh, posts on social media. And with that, I am going to welcome my friend, Claren. Claren, would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Claren Gross, and my pronouns are she, her. Um, and I am right now in Toronto, which the name Toronto comes from Tucaranto. Uh, I get to give a more extensive land acknowledgement than I normally would in Toronto because in Toronto, everyone hears the same one again and again, but perhaps your listeners have not heard it. Um, so Ticoronto means uh, like the meeting place where the trees meet the water. Um, and I like to describe, in my, in my play, I describe Toronto as like where unending city meets unending water. Like it's really like when you fly in, it's city as far as the eye can see and then lake as far as the eye can see, right? Like it looks like a little ocean. Um, I grew up visiting the Great Lakes as a kid, so I didn't really understand how phenomenal it was to have a fresh body of water that looks as big as an ocean from a little human perspective. Um, so that's one of the things I like about Toronto. And Toronto is the treaty that Toronto is on, that's the right verb, um, is Dish With One Spoon Treaty which is actually a treaty that was made um, between, um, I'm sorry, let me make sure I get this right. Who did it first? Oh no, I didn't write it down. I'm pretty sure it's the Mississaugas who had this treaty first and then settlers came into it. So it was a pre-existing treaty that settlers came into. And you know, well, we can all, imagine how well that went um, and how much they honored the idea that we share this dish with one spoon and each everyone participates fairly. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so the, but all the indigenous people that are, um, whose land this is, is the Haudenosaunee, the Anishinaabe, Mississaugas of the Credit, the Wendat and the Chippewa. Mm -hmm. And then of course, it's also home to almost 50% first generation immigrants, as well as all the other descendants of immigrants that live here now. It's the biggest city in Toronto. I'm sorry, in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, my husband's done the demographics and for some reason, half of my listeners are in Ontario. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised anybody listens, frankly, let alone that half of them are from Ontario. So I think it's really great. Um, in my land acknowledgement teaching, there's a, a really cute video from a uh, school board and I, I think it's um anyway um red bird anyway there's a, an elder there that really pushed land acknowledgements in the schools and he duke redbird i want to say he um there's a cute video of like the kids doing it and talking about it so it i love hearing you say it because it, it just reminded me of that video and i i show it so that people see you know this is everywhere and um you know I, I had a really bad interview with somebody today or this this past week and i thought we were just setting up our computers to make sure it worked for me to, to come teach the land acknowledgement 
And then it became, uh, well, you know, some of our people are across in other places of Canada. And I thought, you prick, you don't even know what you're talking about. If you took my land acknowledgement training, you would know we'd teach you how to do it nationally dumbass so you know um it was so insulting i just wrapped it up and and basically sent him a, a little invoice and was like and i he called me a vendor and i was so um insulted because i thought how many indigenous people he's going to pick their brain and waste their time because he's an ignorant ass and i thought you know i will never ever work for this company in any capacity and i'm going to tell all my friends privately never work for uh, there was two companies that really screwed me over this this past week and like i i can't even i, I can't believe that people are so ignorant about uh, land acknowledgements and and how to engage indigenous people so you know that's part of the reason why i wanted you to be on as as a settler as somebody who um is trying to unpack <laughs> what this means um, I want my listeners to understand what reconciliation actually is, because I constantly, you know, stress it's work. You have to do work and you're doing work. You're doing, you're making a play and we're basically two Alberta girls from, uh, uh, Calgary and here, you know, I, before I was more of an indigenous activist, I, I used to draft wells and pipelines for land surveyors. And, um, you know, that's who your dad is, a land surveyor. So let, why don't you explain what you're doing and, and we'll talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote a play. It's titled I Love the Smell of Gasoline and it's going up this October as part of the Rutas International Performing Arts Festival in Toronto um, before it will have a full two week run in March with Nightwood Theatre in Toronto. Um, and the play was my attempt to like wrestle with this fact that my roots are Alberta oil industry roots. My dad worked in oil and actually my grandpa also worked in oil before switching to nuclear. So I have, my uncle works in nuclear. So big, big energy industry roots. And I like, how do I, how do I hold that truth at the same time as like the world is ending because of the fossil fuel industry, right? Like, how do I, hmm. And I, I started writing the play in the fall of 2019 after the federal election, which is when Canada votes in a liberal minority and a sea of blue swallows the prairies, like all, oh, not a, not a speck of red for Alberta and Saskatchewan. And I'm getting phone calls from home of people who are really stressed about um, the layoffs that are happening. And I'm in Toronto, I've got people sharing memes that are mocking Albertans for being like rednecks that have what's coming to them. And in these conversations that I was having with like my parents who very much like are in the, the oil and gas world and then my arts worker friends who are very much like radical leftists. Um, I well, as like, radical left as white people can be. <laughs> oh, you assume all my friends are white. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, honestly, who is leading the colonial agenda of climate change? It's not native people. And because mm -hmm. white people are taking it over, it's just another form of colonialism. So like for me, like that's the huge gap we have is that these white people think they know best and they're like patting us on the head we'll, we'll save this for you it's like take responsibility for what you have done and this is at least what you're trying to do is like okay we have to unpack who did what and why are we here yeah 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 and i think so that one of the things like in my little description on my on my website it says i'm trying to reconcile these alberta roots with this impending apocalypse and I had an interview question recently that was like, so how are you doing that reconciliation? And I thought about this, like the word reconciliation and this like double meaning it has, because I, in that sentence, I'm intending it as like, how do I create harmony between these two contradicting truths in my body and my brain? Like, how do I hold these things? But then, like you said, there's also this act of reconciliation. Like you can't have this kind of conversation around land and environment without talking about Canada's genocidal history, right? But acknowledging that I am someone who has directly benefited from the exploitation of the land, right? Like, as absolutely as you can possibly directly benefit. Like, so 
Yeah, and I think my play is a lot about how you <clears throat> sit with dissonance, right? You have these two things that seemingly contradict each other and you need to hold them in your head at the same time. <clears throat> and I think that people in general, or at least I'll speak for myself, I struggle to hold those two truths, right? Cognitive dissonance is a really uncomfortable feeling. And I think if we're so busy feeling uncomfortable sitting with that dissonance, then we can't move forward. And so my play is about, I think, creating space to emotionally process together. Like how can I hold that I am complicit and I am responsible and I am futile and I am um, human? Like how can we, how can I hold all these things about me at the same time enough that I can then move forward and try and do some acting for good, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think if we can afford ourselves that, then we can also extend that to other people. How can we understand, uh, like, I think a lot of people approach climate change with moral absolutism and being right, like, is like the most important part, right? Which is also not, not so helpful. We can't move forward if we're busy, like pointing fingers and all that, so. But you know, that's the worst part. I don't think we are. I don't think that, the, like my uncle says, for every finger pointing out, there's three pointing back. And I have yet to see white green um, activists be like, oh shit, colonialism caused climate change and go, oh, okay, so can we at least start there? And they don't, they, they start over at this, what, what is conservative enough for us to talk about? And so just to back up a little bit about what you were saying in 2000, um, 2019, um, so it, I ran in the 17, 2017 municipal one and then provincially. And provincially, we were talking about, um, you know, at the end of the day, globally, the rest of the world is transitioning away from fossil fuels. And I felt our liberal agenda provincially was really strong on that and talked about how we were going to transition and how we were going to help our industry and help um, the province in, in, that, in that move. And of course, that's, we, we, we didn't get a single seat. And so that says a lot about us obviously talking about it but i think it's back to that bigger picture of you know there there's just not room for civic conversation in alberta and uh so back to what you're saying unpacking like the past i mean my dad is a, a product of the mayflower you know he has stolen uh land in saskatchewan from his farm his his i guess it would be his grandfather's farm so my great-grandfather on his side and then um you know he came to alberta to try to start a new life met a native had a baby hello and then uh, moved up to fort mcmurray and he's he was a union boilermaker and the union boilermakers made sink made suncor um and then my my husband his dad was a seismic guy a farmer's voice who became a seismic guy um and then we both ended up in land surveying and we contributed 100% to all of this. And I grew up watching my dad and my mom fist fight. So it lit like the, that small dichotomy of indigenous versus settler, I've seen. And then now I see the bigger picture of it as well, where how it, it's constant. And ironically, I, I just get a kick out of Christians who are like, ah, oh, you know, heaven is the most wonderful place where there's lots of food and there's lots of water and it's so nice. And I'm like, oh, so what was here prior to you imposing your Christian agenda? Got it. That can be heaven right? on earth. You can make that happen. Right? So like until I see Christians understand the gravity of everything they've done, like I, I just know we're not even close to being honest about what climate change was was the root of, you know, um, and moving forward. And and I seen a study this week about, you know, the carbon footprint of um, average Joe compared to capitalism. You know, like we're being encouraged to ride bikes and, and reduce our carbon footprint, yet these capitalist pigs just get away with every single bit of stealing and exploiting and murdering indigenous people in order to exploit that land. And we have done nothing about it. And, you know, it's so funny because I have nothing but awful criticism to say about Jason Kenney and anyone who supported them in any capacity. And yet they have at least um an action plan for the missing and murdered indigenous women inquiry at a provincial level that nobody's talking about so you know if 
our own companies who were like, oh my God, Jason Kenny's the best thing. Let's lick his boots and, and be happy. If they're not gonna implement the very policies that he created, how are we ever going to move forward? Because these companies need to see that. So uh, last night I had a wonderful conversation. There's an organization called Pride at Work. And we talked about um, basically making work more inclusive. And uh, while the focus is obviously a lot on the um, LGBTQ plus community, for Two-Spirit and Indigenous people, I talked about the anti-Indigenous bias. and. Um, you know, the policies of TRC, of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. And now provincially, we have the 113 pathways of justice moving forward. And here in Calgary, we have the White Goose Flying Report. And I said, when I walk into uh, most businesses, they have these proud Canadian flags. And I'm like, if I don't see orange, and I know they have no idea what they're doing and what they're talking about, and that it is absolutely an exclusive space for settlers and white people, not indigenous. So like we have a lot to address in order to make it safe for Two-Spirit. You know, I, I just can't even imagine how we're gonna have these conversations because it's back to that um, finger pointing. If nobody is willing to look at themselves and, and see themselves in this concept of reconciliation, how are we going to get there? And then I see these really stupid organizations worried about what the police are doing when, um, you know, they should be focused on churches. Like what, what are the churches doing? The fact that they just absolved themselves of the legal settlement to indigenous people for the atrocities of genocide they committed at the Indian residential school. Like we have to talk about these things in order to move forward. So like back to gasoline, your, your play, sovereignty but it comes down to sovereignty mm -hmm. and because there has never been economic wealth sharing in any capacity worse um imposed poverty on indigenous people and then the exploitation of the land we're in a real pickle you know um all of the buffalo that used to be here all the um uh caribou that used to be here the way of life that we have now poisoned thanks to the nuclear energy programs and the fossil fuel industries and the coal uh, we had a big fight down south uh, what was happening in the mountains and even white people were like oh my god we got to fight this um beer companies were saying hey don't don't pollute the water down south with coal mining and um i thought how bad is it that even beer companies are on the same side as indigenous people because you know industry just wants to kill everything they want to kill water they want to kill the land they want to kill all of the animals all the habitats and of course the indigenous people so that they can feel good about land theft so like this is a lot to unpack and i i think that um that gravity you can't put that in a play but you and i can talk about it here at least mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no there's so many you've listed so many different moving parts of the problem right yep and it can feel really overwhelming to like try and grapple with all of that and to try and understand all of that and i also i think i would say like this is what i tell myself is it's not up to like as an individual i don't need to understand all of the moving parts i am not equipped to handle all of the moving parts there's some people like politicians should be able to do that right that's their job honestly they are so <laughs> useless i can't even i i i is like i'm helping the ndp provincially but they were in power for four years and their so-called conversations on anti-racism literally wants me to take a bat to people's knees. Like there's so mm. much racism. There's mm. so much misogyny. There's so much of it here. Mm -hmm. And the idea that anybody could even possibly deny that. And then of course, people like Christiana Freeland get attacked in her home, own hometown. You know, like it's like, what will it take in order for Albertans to understand the gravity of violence that is just embedded in our society here? It's so mm -hmm. ugly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I don't know if I'm very good at, um, I mean, there's a reason I don't work in politics and like holding those like big, big, big things. Like one of the things I do to come back into my comfort space, into that place where I can still act, like I don't feel, um, paralyzed by the weight of the situation, the unovercomableness of the situation is to think about 
what can I do in my day-to-day life? Like, what does reconciliation look like in my personal day-to-day life? And what does anti-racism look like in my day-to-day life? What does being an environmentalist look like in my day-to-day life? Sure. And I, because I think, and I understand, I hear a lot of people too arguing how like, you know, individual action is not going to solve the world's problems, right? And I'm like, absolutely. Individual action alone is not going to, but it, it has at the same time, like I can't do anything but individually act, right? And I think there's one image in my play that I think is important for how I conceptualize, which is when you watch those birds, like starlings fly in that cloud and there's not one of them that's leading, right? But if they all kind of have the same intention to go right, then they're gonna end up going right, right? Mm-hmm. I think humans are the same. One, one bird flying out of the flock is not gonna is not gonna do anything. But if you can like work with your flock and put your intention into where you want that flock to go, that's like the best that we can do. And it's like, you know, changing the social fabric, right? Like I don't have any connections in government, but I have connections who have connections who have connections in government. And if I'm working at changing the social fabric where I am, I can only hope that that is gonna have ripple out effects, you know? And I think that is exactly what I hope settlers hear. Like, you know, I, I encourage people to join book clubs or create them. Like that is that social fabric that needs to change so that we start using more inclusive language and have a more inclusive understanding. Because if we don't, like, and I'm a big believer that arts is the reason why our social fabric does change. Because, you know, Michael Moore coming out and talking about how ridiculous gun culture is or not having healthcare, like all these things, really do help change culture, I think. So um, I would never underestimate the power of art. Uh, my ex-employer, uh, she was, she's still a fabulous person. Anyway, she it really expresses herself through art and um, she'll come to protest wearing a ridiculous costume, but it the costume is representing the, the subject of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so you don't even have to speak. You can just, your, your art is speaking for you. So to me, I, I think the work that you're doing here is really important because, you know, um, it's hard to imagine, and I tell people this, like the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, if it was really implemented in downtown Calgary, for real, it would actually have global effects because mm-hmm. so many uh, mining companies and oil companies, fossil fuel companies are directly in downtown core and they do it globally. So globally, people in the Amazon are being murdered uh, down in South America, and they're all funneled through Calgary. So Mm -hmm. if we could actually implement UNDRIP meaningfully, could you imagine the ripple effect of actually, you know, helping climate change in such a good way? So Mm -hmm. like to me, um, your your play is so important. And I hope we could even make it a movie one day, because it it is a bit of a slice of insight of what it's like to be an Albertan, what it's like to grow up here, what it's like to have it in the air. And then you go to Toronto where you can talk about it a lot more freely because if you were here, like I, I don't know what would happen to you. Um, you know, this, this is, these are the people who left right, right where I grew up in Sylvan Lake. They went to Ottawa had like nooses, talked about lynching, you know, killing our prime minister. Um, Down south of the border here in Alberta, they had uh, four people who legitimately had plans to murder the RCMP. Now, if I had any plans to murder the RCMP or kill our prime minister, I'm pretty sure I would be in jail indefinitely. Oh, absolutely, you would. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the ironic part. I'm not white enough for the white community, even though I'm a daughter of the Mayflower. You know, I understand um, growing up in this in this province what it's like to be an Albertan, but I'm I'm uh, too native for them, right? Because I talk about sovereignty and indigenous rights. Now, Daniel Smith, who's white, can talk about sovereignty, and everybody's like, oh my god, I so want to vote for that, but not this native, right? I'm too native for that, um, and I. I, I just don't know if we'll, we're, we're going to get anywhere when you have folks that legitimately care about this area, want to see the best for everybody. And back to politicians, like, I, I'm sorry, but I don't put politicians in a lot of authority when it comes to dealing with this. Um, 
not at the provincial level or the municipal level, but the opposite. I see municipal um, leaders regularly approving more land expansion, which is more colonialism at, at a local level. So um, now federally, obviously, I, I don't feel that way. Um, the science and innovation grant that my um, husband's company worked at is taking a lot of the, the flares that would normally be burnt off and repurposing that and reusing it to create green energy. And that's the direction that I want the whole province to go towards. So we're really lucky that my um, my husband's in this company doing doing the work there. And you know, it, and again, nobody would have a job there if it wasn't for Justin Trudeau and for liberal policies and science and innovation. And yet that conversation is not out there. Uh, it's suppressed by, you know, the conservative media. And I say even the uh, CBC is conservative media because it was Harper who appointed all of the board of directors. Mm -hmm. So like this is a conversation nobody wants to have in Alberta. And in Alberta, you know, everybody's like CBC, that's just liberal propaganda. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and say, it's actually, it's so offensive and conservative to me. I can't even listen to it. I've been on a break and my life has improved before not listening to CBC Alberta mm -hmm. or um, Alberta or CBC uh, Calgary because they don't even know how racist they sound. They're, they're just like pro-colonialism, pro, uh, settler viewpoint and they I, I just can't even listen to them I just get too upset even hearing it now and um, more recently they just have so much propaganda that's pro-conservative so I can't even listen to it mm. yeah anyway anyway yeah. anyway so it's a lot to unpack what's happening here and yeah. you and I are just growing up in this environment trying to figure out okay we have these conversations about reconciliation. We have these conversations about energy. How do we make this work? And I, I believe that your your play is at least trying to open that window a bit. Yeah, try, I think trying to open the window so that people can have conversations about it without coming for each other's throats right off the bat. Like, and I say that I understand why people go for each other's throats, right? That is not to diminish anyone's <clears throat> emotional response that they have in these kind of conversations, right? Um, but, you know, like I think, for example, in my circles <clears throat> of environmentalists in Toronto, they have so many great points and they, they know a lot of stuff that I don't know. Like they know more than I do, for sure. But they don't know anything <laughs> about what it's like to work in the oil and gas industry and they don't know anything about like the thing that you just mentioned of the gas flares and harnessing that again they would never have heard of that like they don't know that's happening and like stuff like that so i'm like if only like how do you who are so informed in so many ways how can you have conversations with people who know that stuff but perhaps don't know all the environmental stuff like how can we you know and again, I'm sure that those conversations are happening, but they're not, they're not happening enough, right? There's not enough of those conversations. So yeah. yeah, the goal in my play, the grandiose goal, I mean, you know, theater is limited in its scope, but it's to start having, building some of those bridges so that people can come together and have more productive conversations. Yeah, I believe that. And um, one of the things that we did federally that apparently provincially, there's still some, some issues um, as well, but if you convert those abandoned wells yeah. into geothermal, they're easy to do to, we have all the engineers, all of the like infrastructure in order to do it. One, we're gonna be getting a lot more green energy and two, they're not being abandoned. You know, like the, there's a, a better way to do all of this, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I guess there's still some limitations. I, I was door knocking and I came across a fellow who said that you know, this doctorate who in geothermal was presenting and I'm like, oh, that's great. Why, you know, it, back to what you were saying about how, you know, um, through people, you know that there's political influence. Here's the problem is that people like that, this academic who knows what the issues are for um, geothermal, they're not at the liberal table. Like we're putting forward liberal policy right now. Mm. And if this person could somehow engage with us in any capacity, we could make that change like right now. But the problem is, is that average Joe citizen doesn't have that civic dialogue in them at all. Uh. And they're not coming to the table. So the literally the solutions of, 
you know, folks who are at the table who want to see that change, there's, there's a gap there. So to me, yeah. it's important to start um, putting that out there, like, okay, here is the gap. And, you know, I, I'm really sad, here it is 2022, and we have all these folks that believe we're getting implanted with microchips, but we can't get people who are doctorates in geothermal to come to the table, the Liberal Party, so that we can change this issue right now. You know, like how this is the easiest thing for us to do. And yet we're we're all, like you said, pointing fingers. And it's mm -hmm. like we're not having meaningful conversations about inclusion. Um, we were just talking about one of the major engineering companies that I won't name on the podcast. I, I said I applied for a job and I had to give them my COVID vaccine records in order to even apply for the job. So they have it. They never got back to me. They eventually gave me the, oh, you're, we're not what you're, uh, you're not, we're not interested in you. But the panel discussion that we had last night at Pride at Work, the, some of the folks there were at this company and they're not there anymore. So we were actually talking about how um, Alberta as a whole is like, um, they have these great inclusion, uh, diversity policies, but now their practices are sure are showing the opposite, where they are not inclusive in any capacity, and 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 for the most part, all of the jobs are going towards again the white male, and of course we talk about the she economy, <laughs> because we know the first people that were excluded from everything in COVID were the women, right, mm -hmm. and and we're we're in such a like I feel like we went back 50 years in Alberta because of COVID, honestly. And oh, yeah. you have a whole energy section sector that it's like, um, you know, making ridiculous amounts of profits, but not hiring back the people that created the infrastructure for them to make this money. It's no, yeah, it feels like just basic, like kindergarten level, like how do we treat other people? That if corporations could just apply that like it doesn't seem like it should be that hard it be. that makes me feel so frustrated i know like, I, people who got you where you are you owe them something like what the heck one of my favorite lines in your play that you took that we talked about as family was um you know the you might love the oil industry but the oil industry does not love you back and I, I can't stress how true that is over and over and over again. And um, so it, I, I'm really excited for you to, to do this play. I'm, I'm hoping it's like widely loved because it gives that dialogue that I think we need to start having together um, where it's more than just, you know, acknowledging Indigenous people exist, acknowledging that we might actually have some, uh, you know, genocide here. But that bigger picture of like we created a big big mess with hiding all of this information from each other so now what do we do and um like the kids they don't have time for us not dealing with climate change they don't have time for us in fact and and because in alberta women and those who identify as lgbtq2 plus have been so marginalized from the economic workforce you know, like our kids are moving. They don't want to have anything to do with this place at all. And I, I don't want that. I don't want people to leave here. We have clean water for God's sakes. There's not very many places anymore that have it. And even our clean water isn't clean everywhere. We gotta, we gotta protect it. And I just don't feel like there's an understanding to any of this here in Alberta. And I don't understand why it's, I guess it's just easier to get up and move. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also a thing, like a cultural thing, just nas nationally speaking, of um, not rooting yourself somewhere, like not indigenizing yourself to where you are and the land you are on. But, you know, what if you can just leave? It also says something about your relationship to community. And I say this as someone who went, I moved across the country, right? Like, um, and I would move again if the right job offered itself up, right? And, but it does speak to our culture of, our lack of rooting ourselves to place and to community, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You said you had roots out there though, hey, that you had gone out and visited Toronto quite a bit when you were younger. Yeah, actually, because my parents did the opposite thing. They were both raised in Ontario and they went to Alberta when jobs were hot. And then they they have really been like, we are Calgarian. I'm like, well, maybe you should come be with me now in Ontario. And they're like, no, we are here now. 
which is actually, I think, a funny, like, spirit, too, for Alberta, is that I think, correct me if you think this is not true, but Alberta is also a province of, like, immigrants with even just, like, from other places in Canada, like. Yeah, well, we all joke that Fort McMurray is, like, all newfies. Yeah, yeah, like, it's a city that most people, a lot of people were not raised and born in Calgary, like, it is a place where, and so the the provincial or the city municipal spirit is funnily enough people that weren't raised there but they've got this sense of community anyway interesting yeah well look at jason finney you know he pretends to be mr alberta and i mean at the end of the day he grew up in saskatchewan you know he's not from here and a lot of people here call him mr ottawa because he spent so mm-hmm. much time in ottawa and there, mm-hmm. there's a rumor i don't know how true it actually is that his mailing address in calgary was like his his mom's seniors building so everyone joked that he lives in his mom's basement which is not true but you know what i mean it's funny so <laughs> it's been a joke about it anyway mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> don't so like i mean the way of a good joke right <laughs> right but at the end of the day that that is the truth and then you know, ironically, a lot of the first generation Canadians and Calgarians, like I, I think of like a Nenshi, I think of uh, Jody Bondak, you know, they're never accepted as um, true, true Calgarians. And it's mm-hmm. like, they've lived here most of their life, if not all of their life. Um, I think Andrew Fung was born here, you know, and, and like here, here are people that were born and raised here that aren't considered from here and get that question. No, where are you really from? Right. Now that, that's ironically part of the reason why I want people to introduce themselves, do that yeah. acknowledgement, do their history so that we know who they are and where they come from. And, um, you know, yet we're not there as a society, you know, instead we're still back to that. Well, people shouldn't ask me that. And it's like, okay, well then how do you see your role in reconciliation and they're newer immigrants and they're like, trying to adapt and white code and and do the Canadian coding that you're expected to do. And they don't care, (laughs) you know, all they've been taught is propaganda and hate against Indigenous already. And they see it in the media, the um, erasure or negative talk in the in the mainstream. So it's, um, yeah, we have so much work to do in Alberta. It's really hard for me to, you know, hope that we're going to see a lot of change soon when I've seen a lot of backward change in the last two years. I don't know. What was it like for you to be out in Toronto and watching all of this freedom convoy crap and all of this like misinformation, uh, anti-science? What was that like for you? Uh, I mean, it, flabbergasting, astounding. It's, it's, diff- it's hard to believe the numbers right? Like, of course, there's always going to be people on the peripheries who think all sorts of things. I think that's actually probably a healthy part of society, right? But sure. that to that, to that extent, and of course, they chose their mode of protest to be running the engines on these massive trucks nonstop. Like, I was just like, oh my god, like, how horrific. Like, tell me you don't care about literally anyone else. <laughs> like right just so and I'm like the lack of um like I get civil protest whatever whatever I'm again I think people should be able to protest non-violently but I'm like it is violent to run semi-trucks and take up the capital city for weeks on end and like make so much noise that people can't sleep like that is violent that is not peaceful that's torture by UN convention it's actually torture yeah exactly and and again we know that the roots of that like that was organized by white supremacists so like I don't know that was really frustrating to watch and just I don't know hard to wrap my head around I have a really hard time I I think I am a bit naive in the way that I navigate the world and like really wanting to believe the best in people and that like, you know, people are products of their environments and, but they all, ultimately people are all trying to do their best. Right. Stuff like that kind of breaks my brain. It really, it makes it hard to like hold on to that. Yeah. Well, and same with the um, anti-mask, like, yeah, absolutely. It it, it just shows like your, you know, how much do you really care about community? Yeah. I'm like, even if you don't believe in it, even if, even if, even if, it costs you nothing to wear a mask so what if it works 
even just what if it works, you should do it. It's going to cost you nothing. Like, just yeah. wear a mask. Right. And like, I, I think I speak in my play about my dad was diagnosed with cancer this year. Um, and pretty like pancreatic, so really lethal stuff, and was waiting on life changing surgery. And the day before his surgery, it was canceled. And I think the day after that, I watched the like freedom people, like anti-vax, anti-vax and anti-mask people walk by the condo that my parents are in. And I was like, oh, like, yeah. like my dad can't have surgery because of you. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And, and I'm not afraid to say this on the podcast. I will never, ever, ever buy another sausage from Spolumbo's because they've been actively allowing that. So like even last night I was driving down Inglewood and all of these freedom convoy people are, are protesting. And it's like, you know, nobody's forcing you to wear a mask. No one's forcing you to get vaccinated. Like it, it, it's insanity to me that these folks, like out of what all of the things you can now? protest, this is your hill to die on. When there's so like, many other what? things that need help in this, in this town, city, province and country, you know? I, it, it's so selfish. I'm, it's so selfish. So I, I've lost a lot of respect for, you know, a lot of folks over it. And I mean, I can drive out of my clothes. In my clothes, I, ha I can see at least two, you know, fuck Trudeau um, bumper stickers. And then driving out, there's people who are like proud to say part of the fringe minority and stuff like that. Like it's, I'm surrounded by these yahoos, surrounded by them. And, um, you know, so I know I'm not safe. Like I knew I wasn't safe before because this is the neighborhood that Colton Crochu was murdered. And, um, you know, for three weeks was lying dead in a pond that nobody, you know, could see, find or anything. So like, I know I'm not safe here, but like now we are in the middle of a, a global pandemic and there's such an individualistic, selfish sense from everybody here. I just it's it's so disheartening because you you want to believe like you said in the in the better of people mm -hmm. but i don't see it right now yeah, the opposite really, really i just challenged. see like the selfishness and it's it's so alarming and i think i think the part of it too is i'm like it's not real like it's about the vaccines it's about the masks it's about whatever but i think it's actually more about um community like i think the people who really get sucked into that are people who did not have a sense of community and all of a sudden this fringe group is providing them with that sense of community and like for whatever reason they're feeling ostracized by the left they're feeling ostracized by the woke and they're finding solace in whatever and i uh i don't know the whole thing just is yeah. so heartbreaking like i'm furious that people like, can't they see that what they're missing is a sense of community like yeah it's super hyper individualist and i'm like but actually what you want is other people like if no <laughs> well i'm seeing the rise in fascism that that's what i'm seeing right like yeah, i absolutely. feel like we're in 1930s germany and um you know folks who identify as not white male straight christian are going to be at, are at risk from point blank and um it just sucks so i i hope that plays like yours help start changing that dialogue having folks out east see like you know, the folks that went out there and protested it was a very small group of people, but all Albertans are now labeled that way. To be frank, I mean, in our policies, there's a good reason for it. I'm not going to lie that we have so much work to do here. But like, I, I wish that folks who have any sense of responsibility would really vote that way, right? Because like, I don't know if you've ever met any conservative MLA, city councilor, or MP they're so draining with their ignorance it's 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 frightening actually that they know nothing other than how do i make capitalist economy better you know that's it and and even then you know a lot of folks who are identifying as conservative poli sci uh, masters or doctorate in economics even they said like please remember all of the stuff we learned in university is theory so that's why we're seeing the um, collapse of like the supply chain and procurement the way we are. I just don't think our politicians understand that. And I'm hoping our voters are starting to see like these guys are airheads 
who had nothing more than a whole bunch of dad's money to go to university and get economics degrees, but they have no way of utilizing it personally. I actually challenged a door knocker, I, I door knock and I challenged somebody, I knocked doors on, they're like, well, at least Kenny has world, um, you know, world experience at, at work. And I said, what, what job are you talking about? Like, what did, what did he do outside of politics? And then it was stammering. So like, they are being told a lie and perpetuating a lie. And when you call them on it, they can't dissect that lie. So, you know, I'm hoping people will wake up and I hate that they've taken the term woke and made it something so awful because it's like literally knowing a little more about life is not the worst thing in the world, is it not? Like understanding different cultures and that, right? Um, I remember growing up in like 1995 and everybody lost their crap over an RCMP or wearing a turban, like lost it. There's a, there's a legion that's in Red Deer and they still have a sign that says no turbans allowed. And Manmeet Bular took a picture um, under it to kind of be like, yeah, that's what I think. And then he um, uh, passed away shortly after. And, uh, but I was really proud of him for doing that because you know, the end of the world has not happened because we allow uh, turbans in our Canadian military and Canadian police. <laughs> Pick your battle. Like, right. What? And I remember that was the same time as gay marriage too. Like we were having these conversations and, and Ralph Klein was like, we'll use the notwithstanding clause to allow gays to get married. Like, I'm like yeah, look, the end I of the world didn't happen. <laughs> I also think I'm like, what is the, this inconsistency of worldview that like these people are so individualist and all for individual freedom, except for someone individual's right to wear a turban and individual's right to get married to whoever they want to get married to. I'm like, okay, so you don't actually like, so you're just lying. You're lying about your worldview. Like you don't have a set of core values. You just are selfish. <laughs> yeah. And that's just it because there's no reason why a Muslim shouldn't have a day off at eat. There's no reason why indigenous people shouldn't have time off to go to um, Sundance, right? But no, there's no reason any of us shouldn't get much more time off, just generally speaking. Like, right? <laughs> I have really enjoyed chatting with you because very rarely do two Alberta girls get to talk about Alberta and just be honest about it. And our commonality is your dad was a land surveyor and I used to draft the wells and pipelines that folks like your dad would have uh, surveyed. So yeah, maybe you, know, you would work on a project once, who knows? Did you ever yeah. work with Caltech? Yeah, uh, my husband did actually. I never draft for them, but my husband did. And I worked for McElhaney and North Kent Surveys. Mm -hmm. And that's when I uh, left for maternity leave, I was at uh, North Kent Surveys, so. There you go. Yeah, I, and I worked for Can-Am for five minutes while I was going to state to get my uh, my drafting courses under my belt. So, and they were really good. Actually, I was working for them at 9-11. So, oh, wow. yeah, and that day was really scary. They shut down all of the um, skyscrapers because everybody mm -hmm. was afraid. And we were like, yeah. what if they try to bomb our, our delivery um, packages? So like we all went home early that day because and and I was like I called the airport like hey do we have to bring in like refugees because they shut down everything and they were like really you know brushing that off and then of course we heard about gander so, yeah yeah anyway I don't know how I ended up there sorry <laughs> oh what a what a pleasure is there anything else that you'd like to talk about like when does your play start um, it goes up the October 6th, 7th, and 8th um, at the Factory Studio. So oh. it's, it's like we start rehearsals on Tuesday, so I'm really excited. Oh, that's awesome. Don't and hesitate actually, to also, send me the links and I will promote the crap out of them because if we have some uh, uh, Ontario followers, half of you, I guess, that listen to me, thank you for listening yeah. to me. Um, you know, we'd love for if you're in the Toronto area for you to go see this play because I think uh, it's really important that we we have real discussions of what Alberta is like. And I mean, I hate that we have to engage with Nazis in order to de-radicalize them, but if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I also want to say because I don't think we mentioned this is that the reason that we know each other is because you helped me out. Um, that you had several different conversations with me and helped me shape the script um and that was super 
super helpful. So I don't think we acknowledge that on the podcast. That's how we know each other. So thank you. Yeah, no, it, honestly, it's been through. an honor, 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 honor. So, um, cause I, I believe we need to have these conversations and I'm so grateful to be a part of that. And, um, and frankly, you know, you paid me, that's part of it. And I think that I really think that people don't understand a simple act of reconciliation is paying people for consulting because out here it's expected for you to do free community labor. And that's why our community is falling apart because there's very few people that can afford to do that. <laughs> we need reciprocity and money is a good form of being reciprocal back. Yeah. In, a, in imposed Western economy, it sure is. That's for sure. Yeah. In the current context. Yeah. 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 So thanks for your time today. Thank you for doing this work with the play. And I hope that, you know, that this is something that um, goes beyond just Toronto. I hope uh, we can I play can it here in Calgary. And, uh, and I hope that people will go to it and go, yeah, because I know we have lots of like progressive folks here that need to start these conversations. So thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Thank you awesome. for having me. Okay. All right. Well, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with a disability, and LGBTQ2 to speak. I want to say thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fridkin of heretohelp.bc.ca, and they have a, a great section of what is Indigenous cultural safety and why should I care about it? So like this, this link right here that I've been saying for like four years, had the two folks who um, I had really bad interactions with these two companies, had they read this, would we have even had that problem? I probably not. So folks, if you're really struggling, there's so much work you can do. Anyway, their work in those cultural action tools I've said in my podcast, if you literally Google Indigenous cultural safety, you will find like so many more links now because so many people have wrote about it because we all experience it. I'm just lucky to um, highlight it and repeat it here as part of reconciliation and settler understanding. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism. The good way to put it is it's safer for me to attack an Indigenous person than it is the structure of racism. So that's why you'll see that and you'll see women fighting because it's easier to attack women than it is to attack the misogyny that, that is on us. So anyway, racial tools or racialequitytools.org. There's tons of resource files and what is internalized racism is by Donna Bevins. So a huge shout out to her for all the work she does. I'm grateful to highlight it here. Um, so American Friends Service Committee, they have do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. Again, this is another thing, like, what do you do when you see marginalized people? You can Google it and find tons of more resources. So afsc.org and do's and don'ts bystander intervention. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings so it can be regularly disregarded, no more honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. They don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus. Um, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention, 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. And if you're in Alberta, you have 113 pathways of justice now that your own damn conservative government that you voted for actually made. So challenge your stupid leaders on this. Like I, I can't even with them, but if you're like, oh my God, I just love the blue. I just gotta love the blue. You better know what I'm talking about and you better be pushing your politicians on this. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our if people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational justice and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. 
demand change from the election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sport clubs, etc. Great article that is out there is uh, Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. Again, there are actually multiple articles out there about that now. If you're experiencing emotional, emotional distress after hearing anything we talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It is toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text the hopeforwellness.ca. Um, they have one of those little text boxes. Anyway, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Um, for non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area, functioning 211 or 833-456-4566. And any of you who noticed, Justin Trudeau actually announced this week, that November of next year, they're going to have a national hotline as well for um, mental health, suicide prevention, which I hope is true. We'll see how it works. Anyway, and I'm not really too sure like why when I just gave you this number, but whatever, figure it out. The 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta, SSISA.ca. Um, we're gonna have a march here in Calgary. I've been sharing the poster, so please come to it in October. Um, October 4th, of course, uh, then uh, Sisters and Spirit vigils nationally. So wherever you are in Canada, go to your local Sisters and Spirit um, vigil on October 4th. If you see or experience racism in Alberta, you can report it to Act to End Racism or text at 587-507-3838. Um, if you the, are LGBTQ2+, first of all, happy Pride here in Calgary. We march on Sunday. I'm super excited to go with the Liberals. Uh, I think my girl's going to be with you, say. There's going to be some great organizations to march with. Um, anyway, lifevoice.ca has some great crisis supports. Trans Lifeline is 877-330-6366 in Canada. And the LGBTQ youth line for the Trevor Project is 866 844-7386. And I'm just going to do an extra plug for uh, Pride at Work. They're Toronto-based and they help with policy development so that your place of work can be more inclusive to include uh, LGBTQ2+. And again, if you are not um, Indigenous um, inclusive, we know. We know the moment we come in and see your Canadian flag no orange, no land acknowledgement, no land acknowledgement in your emails, we know. So consider working with uh, Pride at Work or other organizations like that to make your workplace a more inclusive space. Um, on October, or sorry, August 31st was uh, the National uh, International Overdose Awareness Day. And we had a wonderful event down here. Um, thank you so much to all of the folks that created that. Uh, important work that everybody's doing. I actually came across a Sutina um, walk group that were, were doing their walk. So I started to give them my Narcan. I'll probably continue to do that. Um, anyway, if you know anyone who's using substances, please do not use alone. If you are using alone, you can contact the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS for support. And there's two apps you can download, the Brave app, or the DORS app. And that can also um, help you if you are using alone. And of course, if you are Indigenous and you're in Alberta, you have free access to a Narcan a day. Please talk to your uh, pharmacist about it. But all Albertans have access to free uh, naloxone kits. And they're easy to learn to use. Please have them on you. Even if you don't know how to use them, chances are you're going to be with somebody else who does. We need to stop these drug poisonings that are happening over hundreds of months. So we need to stop this. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back, why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions. Is a lot of people uh, don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs. The people who know nothing about us, nothing about colonialism, Nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous peoples, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. 
I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it's unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism, gatekeepers, folks that survive off the status quo, and people who are so in their trauma, they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disabilities, uh, QT, BIPOC, and others. I do want to say thank you, though, to my ancestors, to my granny and my mama, what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up to teach me to be a proud Calgarian. Just through her, I am a second generation Calgarian, my daughter being a third. Thank you to Darcy, big Buffalo rock man, for being my childhood friend, producing and editing the show, my husband, the father of our child, my support down my journey of the red road and witnessing decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman, we are so blessed to learn from you daily and we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. Um, I also have a YouTube channel that we can go and subscribe to and nativecalgarian.com has the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin responded, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you so much for listening. Join the book club and the reconciliation action uh, uh, crew has uh, heard of your work here from September to December. Thank you so much. And thank you to my guest, Claren, for coming. I appreciate it.